Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. Hey everyone, I am so excited to bring to you this person, this fabulous woman that I have been trying to get on the show for quite some time now. Uh, how did we meet? Social media, of course. But everyone, welcome to the show, Tracy Walder, the unexpected spy. She's the author, and let me tell you, she went from the CIA to the FBI, and we're going to talk about her secret life of taking down some of the world's most notorious terrorists. And I have to say, Tracy, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I have so much to talk to you about. This could be a four-part series for (laughs) sure, because I have listened to your book taken notes in your book. My husband has listened to your book. Um, Your book, The Unexpected Spy, how long has it been out? It has been out a little over two years, actually. Yeah, it was a pandemic baby. (laughs) There's a lot of those. And you you have a movie deal. So currently I'm in discussions with Netflix okay. um, right now. Yes. Well, you know who'll be watching? The Blackman family, that's for <laughs> sure. Thank you. Well, I want to walk everyone just through your life because there's a lot of parallels, not a lot of career-wise with you and I, but um, I want to walk people through Tracy Walder. And you're from California, mm-hmm. uh, born and raised. You went to USC. You, is it fair to say when you were in school, you were bullied? That would be an understatement. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because I, I think people that it, when I was growing up, that was very normal. I, I agree. I think part of why, what you had just said before about how there's similarities between us, I think even though my career path seems like outrageous, right? And not something a lot of people do, I still think we all have the same kind of lived experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was important for me to put those in the book, even if they make me seem less, I guess, grandiose or impenetrable. Um, And I think I thank God every day that, you know, I'm in my mid forties that I grew up without social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that seems like a silly thing to say, because I think it is a good thing to a certain extent, but the bullying that I had, I, and I I realize this is a a large statement. I absolutely think that I would have at least attempted suicide or something like that. Wow. Had I been able, I had the ability of being able to go home and turn it off, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I went home, there was no internet, there were no cell phones, you know, none of that. So I could go home Mm -hmm. and just turn it off and be in like a safe place. Mm -hmm. But now I don't really know that kids like have that, right? Because I was just reading about before I came in here, a little six-year-old being bullied. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And it's it's so common. My husband is in jujitsu, and the number of parents that actually come to the professor that, that owns the studio, that, that's why they're enrolling their children to take care of themselves, because there are, there is so much of that going on. Well, I think, too, so, you know, my parents are in their kind of mid-late 70s, and so they were born in the 40s, and I think, and this isn't a slam on them. I love my parents very much. They're amazing parents. I'm not sure, even though bullying happened, I'm not sure they fully understood what it was and the extent to which it was. I think they couldn't believe kids did that. Mm -hmm. Right now it's more, I don't want to say commonplace, but I think parents are on alert, Mm -hmm. right? You know, about bullying. It's not that my parents were bad parents. I don't want anyone to think that. I think they just had zero idea. They thought it was something I was doing. Mm-hmm. And now they realize it. Absolutely. That wasn't and absolutely. And you know, that bullying, 
you were carrying that on because your story, uh, to me, just it's it's remarkable. But let me explain. You worked as a staff operations officer for the CIA's Counterterrorism Center <laughs> before, during, and after September 11th. Yes. Okay. 9-11. Yes. So that is your career. So let's start, everyone. You went to USC. Yes. And you were a Delta Gamma, a yes. DG. Yes. How was Rush? <laughs> So um, I went to USC because I know this might shock some people, but again, back in my day, uh, you only apply. I only applied to two colleges, right? And they were both the colleges where my dad was a professor. That's where I got free tuition. Mm. I know, oh, isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so um, I got into USC. That was the bigger of the two schools my dad was at. Wanted to be anonymous. No seventeen-year-old wants their dad knowing what they're no. doing in college. No, and so that's why I picked USC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went through uh, sorority recruitment. I don't know why I went through sorority recruitment. No one in my family mm-hmm. um, it was was Greek at was the Greek. time. Mm-hmm. I think I just thought this was a chance to start fresh. Knew only two kids from my high school went to USC, and so it was a, a an opportunity to try something different. I had a good rush experience, but mm-hmm. I, I know it's different nowadays. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. It is. Um, you said that when you were there, you just wanted to blend in. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. I think when you're bullied and picked on a lot of your life, you just want no one to notice you, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, because the attention I got was never positive, mm. right? It was always uh, coupled with with bullying. And so for me, I did not associate attention and being noticed with something positive. So I just wanted no one to Mm-mm. know who I was. Absolutely. So I love hearing that you, it was your junior or senior year, mm-hmm. you and your roommate took your bicycles over to a job <laughs> fair and you wanted to be a history teacher. Yes. So your resume was ready to go to drop mm-hmm. it off. And you saw that the CIA desk, no one was standing at the CIA desk other mm-hmm. than the, the recruiter. Mm-hmm. And you turned in your resume. Mm-hmm. What, what were you thinking? <laughs> I mean, so, uh, so to, I guess back up a little bit. I loved history and I thought, you know, let's be a high school history teacher. So that's why I majored in history. But I had a professor who really exposed me to other careers. Um, and so I interned for a senator. Um, I interned at the Natural History Museum. I did all kinds of interesting things and started realizing that there's just not one career point for a history. Like there's lots of different mm-hmm. things I could do. I didn't know that though. Right. You know, when you're little, yes. you don't know these things. And I know this sounds strange, but terrorism wasn't a thing at that time. Um, you know, I grew up with Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. uh, Ruby Ridge, Waco. Those were my like terrorism points, if you will. Yeah, we had some international terrorism going on in like the continent of Africa and, and all of that. But nothing here. And we had to like, Al Qaeda wasn't born until 1989. Really? Yeah. So it's super new. And so I didn't know that I wanted to work this international terrorism thing. There there weren't even classes (laughs) that I could take on it, quite frankly. And so it was 1997 and I was watching, I was working out in my sorority house gym and I had a sorority sister who's from Texas actually. And she uh, wanted to be a broadcast journalism. She was a broadcast journalism major. And so she had to watch the news incessantly and like learn. And it was annoying because she had on CNN. I just wanted to watch Friends, you know, like (laughs) exactly. And there was this guy being interviewed and his name was Osama bin Laden. And that was when I got exposed to terrorism, like that I realized, wow, there's this 
thing out there and that he issued his declaration of war in that interview against us. Mm-mm. And so that was when I decided I didn't change my major, but I thought maybe I should take terror. Maybe I should learn about this instead mm-hmm. of getting angry. Like, let's get curious. Mm-hmm. And so I took um, introduction to Islam. Um, I took Middle Eastern history, international affairs. But at that time, the CIA, gosh, I don't even think we had a new James Bond. Like it wasn't an appealing place. I mean, they, they did a lot of Russia stuff as far as I knew, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't a terrorism thing. And so I didn't, I was learning about all these different jobs, but no one knew like who worked right. this international terrorism. And so that's why I, I gave him my resume because I asked, do you do this terrorism thing? Mm-hmm. And he said, I mean, it's small. We're really looking for Russian speakers and Spanish speakers right now. But I mean, it's no skin off my back to give him my sure. resume. Right. right. And right. so that was it. <laughs> And you do not speak another language. I do not. And they weren't looking for Arabic speakers at the time. September 11th hadn't happened. Gosh. Right? And so it's weird to think about this pre-9-11 world, right? And Mm -hmm. that's the world we were in. That's because when I think of you at USC going to a job fair, I think about 9-11, which wasn't even a thing. Nope. So not even knowing. Okay. Yeah. I always have to orient people a little bit because I think it helps understand, you know, I'm not... I'm not a bimbo. I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. But, you know, terrorism, we have to remember, like, there was a pre-9-11 world, mm-hmm. right, where it wasn't in our face all the time. So let me ask you this. Is is Ruby Ridge, Oklahoma, were those, uh, Waco, Koresh, were those terrorism? Is that terrorism? Or is that, <laughs> um, what's the word you used? Um, ah, I can't think of the word you used, but is that hate organizations? Yeah. So that's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Where did I pull that out of, right? I pulled that really deep. I would say, like, if you look at Ruby Ridge, for example, yes, there were hate groups involved. But, you know, I teach a class on domestic terrorism, actually, at TCU. And um, the problem with that is there's no singular definition of domestic terrorism. So it really depends on how you choose to define it, right? And so the FBI definition is the use of violence, coercion, intimidation to basically further a political agenda that isn't like the current one. So Mm -hmm. if you look at like Oklahoma City, for example, yeah, I do believe that was domestic terrorism because Timothy McVeigh was upset um, Mm -hmm. with what the U.S. government had done in terms of their what he perceived to be as heavy handedness at Waco. Mm -hmm. And so I think it depends Mm -hmm. on how you choose to define it or which definition you like. So you get the call on your landline in the dorm <laughs> yes. and you they accepted your application. You, you applied and you, you were accepted into the CIA. So you graduated and went to Virginia. Mm-hmm. At that time that you started working, I, I, I reading in the book, your eyes were glued to a computer watching terrorists. Mm-hmm. OK, so tell me about the vault. Okay, so that was after September 11th. After September mm-hmm. 11th, because you got to your new job and your career. What year was that? Would have been um, May of 2000. So that was pre-9-11. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. All right. And so, then the fault was like 14 months-ish right. later. But your, your job was to actually mm-hmm. watch. <laughs> so I got lucky. I got... 
the CIA, you don't get to pick sort of where you go. They just tell you, which is sure. great. And um, CIA is different from FBI in that when you your training doesn't begin right away, you have to spend time at headquarters first. So that's what I was doing was mm -hmm. my headquarters right. tour. And so I was placed right in the counterterrorism center. It was really small. Like we just took up like half, like a quarter of a floor, basically. You know, it wasn't this huge monstrosity of a mm -hmm. division. And my job was to look at terrorist training camps, like who's coming, who's going, who are the types of people coming in and out? Are there specific? I mean, that's what I was doing. Um, we're looking at terrorist training camps um, in Afghanistan. And so that's what I was doing on September 11th. Mm -hmm. Um, but prior to that, like a week prior to September 11th, it was myself and two other gentlemen. Um, I guess we were doing a good job. I don't mm -hmm. know. But we got uh, briefed into a program um, that wasn't going to be started and used until I think it was early spring, like March of 2002. Mm -hmm. But obviously, September 11th happened. Mm -hmm. And I'd say it started about two or three weeks later. Two or three weeks later. Mm -hmm. And you went into this vault. Yes. And, and you... You, George Tennant, was your boss, obviously, right? Well, obviously, I have like branch managers, sure. but, yeah. right? Right. George Bush was yes. a, a frequent. I mean, mm -hmm. at this point, and in Condoleezza Rice, I mean, when these people are coming in, I'm sure it was in such an in and out of here. Suppose, oh my gosh, you met the president. But I think when all everything is going on, right? Oh. Like when we're hunting for Bin Laden, we're hunting terrorists, and we're hunting. Like I am not registering about necessarily like who's behind me, if that makes any sense. Like, mm -hmm. I know that he's there, but it, I'm, I'm just doing my job. Just doing your right? job. And so I don't think, I mean, yes, if I look back now, was that kind of neat? Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. Yes. But I'm not sitting there and like chit-chatting with right. him in the same way that I would with like Tenet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I didn't, they'd ask questions and you answer their questions, of course, mm -hmm. but you're not there to socialize. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they would ask questions of about it. About yeah. They'd ask great questions. We're very engaged. Like no one was ever mean or rude or sure. inappropriate, but, um, no, I, I, I was always very professional and it was just never a kind of like, let's just sit back and chat sort of a situation mm -hmm. unless it was George Tennant. Um, Condoleezza was an Alpha Chi Omega too, by the way. I know. Yeah, that's, shout out. I, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that is right. I know. <laughs> I'm an Alpha Chi Omega. Um, so at what point did you start traveling abroad? Mm -hmm. And and I couldn't, I, I, before <laughs> the vault or after the vault? After. After. Um, so after, because after I did the vault for a few months, um, they started working the vault on like this rotationary basis. And so they rotated me into CIA for obvious reasons, like exploded in growth and people after 9-11. Sure. Um, and so they had all these new like subdivisions that, cropped up. And so I was placed in the counterterrorism center's weapons of mass destruction group. And so there my job was to find terrorists or members of Al Qaeda who were trying to acquire mostly what I was looking for were crude toxins and, and poisons. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started training and traveling. They kind of put it together. And you went to poison school. I did. <laughs> My goodness. You know what? what ring a bell. I, I have worked in the beef industry for years. Oh, gosh. And you were, you made it. Botulinum. Yes. yes. A, a raw piece of, a, yeah. a raw ground beef. And My brain just went right to botulinum. What, and and what, what happens? It, it can be used as a poison. Yes. It's I mean, a, it, it paralyzes your muscles. And that's what you learn. Uh, and you, you, you die. And I, I love Botox, not going to lie. That's something I enjoy very much. But 
It's a we name. are not, we are not, you know, using that in, yes. uh, we're using that in a medicinal way, but if it's overused, right, um, it can kill. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, that was my eyes wide open again in the beef industry. I'm a chef and I, yes. I, I was just going, wait, what? Yes. I mean, the things that you talk about through the poison school, mm-hmm. just that training that you had for those weeks is unbelievable. So that chapter was actually completely uh, redacted by the CIA. Initially, I had to go to their appeals board and get that chapter. I won the appeal and got that chapter in. So that was one that, um, actually almost didn't make it into the book. Okay. Which is kind of (laughs) cool. If you read and listen to her book and I had asked my husband about this, it will say something like section redacted or CIA's section redacted. And I was just like, what does that mean? Greg said she couldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So to get this book approved, my goodness, girl. I mean, so I was something I really never do, which is I don't even know why I was doing it on this day was reading Amazon reviews. Like, why did I do that? Don't do that. I, no, I never do. <laughs> but this day I happened to, I don't know what I was doing. And someone in the book, uh, in a review said I was lazy for leaving them in. And I was like, you people clearly don't understand this <clears> process. <throat> so the book, as everyone either listens to it or reads it, that's the result of five full rewrites to get mm-hmm. it to look like that. Absolutely. So when I first got it back from the CIA, I had eight chapters totally blacked out. And then I had to keep rewriting to get it to the way it looked. The way it was. So um, I'm I'm jumping around a little bit, but okay. You are in another country with your beautiful pink pashmina. (laughs) Yes. Her favorite color is pink, everyone. Um, So you go to another country and you're in a camp with Navy SEALs. And um, you talked about this is this is brilliant because you were walking you were watching these terrorists on the computer or a screen and you took a piece of fruit to this terrorist that these terrorists they probably don't like women that much i would assume but when in the situation obviously i can't speak super frankly about it but in the situation that they're in they don't really have much of a choice okay <laughs> you've got backup you do have backup okay so but you had a piece of fruit, but you remember watching on the screen that this one terrorist enjoyed fruit. Yeah. Had a piece of fruit every day. So did that gain his yes. trust? You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that just this morning when I woke up, um, my book just came out in Japanese uh, last week. And so uh, a, wow. a young lady from Japan tagged me in an Instagram post and it's just a peeled orange on top of the Japanese cover of the book. And oh, it just says, yeah. if you know, you know. And it was like, mm-hmm. that's actually really clever mm-hmm. and, and pretty funny. Um, but no, I think the way that I saw it, like if anyone's seen um, Zero Dark Thirty or any of those um, types of movies, obviously I have to talk around this, but it, that's very similar to how it would work with mm-hmm. the detainee. And you know, I tried uh, to study them, learn their behaviors, learn their likes, learn their dislikes, because that was a way of me gaining, I don't want to say their trust. I don't know that I fully had their trust, Mm -hmm. right? But that was a way of showing them that I cared enough to listen to the things that they had to say, um, that I was listening and observing their likes and dislikes enough to bring those to them as a treat. As a treat. Mm -hmm. So it kind of opened the door. Yes. And they would ask you if they, if you wanted tea and they didn't have tea. I know. Yeah. Interesting. It's as a cultural norm. I do think, um, amongst really many in the Middle East, whether they were, you know, detainees or not, you know, mm-hmm. that was just, that's a cultural norm. That's a culture. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned killing a terrorist is not a good idea. Loss of information, mm-hmm. right? So some of the countries in the different 
CIA people-ish things, they <laughs> would say kill the terrorists, right? But why would you not do that? Well, for us here in the U.S., it's illegal. That's <laughs> true. Okay. Kill. Okay. Right. Um, we are not allowed to assassinate um, uh, people in other That's countries. That's a good point. First of all, <laughs> other countries can. Hey, you do you. Right. Uh, but we do not do that. Um, one of the things is, and I, I'm surprised the CIA let me talk about this in my book, is enhanced interrogation techniques, EIT, mm-hmm. or also known as torture. Mm-hmm. We have to look at torture differently. I think we as a society look at it as a way of getting information, right? That's actually not what EIT was. EIT was a way to get these guys to stop being combative and start being complacent. So then we could ask them important questions, which is when I would come in with the fruit. Now we can debate till the cows come home, whether like that's an acceptable thing to do or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily going to go there right now, mm-hmm. but I think it's just important to note what the point of EIT was, if that if that makes sense. I think we view it as the point of it is to get information and know the point of it was to gain what we called quick complacency mm-hmm. right. so that we didn't have to wait, you know, three months for these guys to become complacent and maybe an attack happened right. in right. that time. That's what it was. So tell us about your success because your bio tells us your success <laughs> of who you actually, I mean, who you were part of the team to bring down. Well, I didn't, I can't. There's so many. I know. Oh, you I can't, can't say. speak specifically. Okay, so I wish still. I could. It's so hard because it's CIA. Um, FBI can definitely talk about, you know, a successful case there, but at CIA, it's really tough because we can always talk about the failures, mm-hmm. but we can never talk about okay. the successes. That's a, that's an interesting concept. Because yeah. the reality is, is I'm probably doing something in a foreign country that I'm not supposed to be in in the first place. Exactly. Well, that makes <laughs> sense. That makes sense. When you were over, um, especially when, and I go back to the the, the terrorists that you were interviewing, sure. um, you mentioned that Navy SEALs and... And the military and and CIA, you never felt disrespected. No, never. No, never. Gosh, some of those guys became really dear friends. I felt like a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt disrespected. I think um, even at CIA, you know, I look at my um, division chief who was, I mean, a legend at the CIA is an incredible man and very much a male in every sense but never felt disrespected by him in any way, shape or form, you know, very much like, well, Tracy, you're the one that knows this. You're the one that's going to go do this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think I learned the importance of like male allies, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense, because they were tremendous allies. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from them. Um, you know, I think I can only speak to my lived experience, right? I am certain that there are women that maybe had a different experience mm-hmm. than I, um, but mine was so positive and so encouraging. Um, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I was reading your book and I I was expecting, I, you know, and I was mm-hmm. just expecting that to happen. And it's so <laughs> refreshing. And the people on your team, I mean, I'm sure they're, they're like awesome. your, they're your I'm brothers. I'm still really good friends with them. Yes. You know, that, that traveled across the world with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and guys. You can't see Tracy. You'll see her on my feed, but she is absolutely stunning. You're darling. You're absolutely darling. (laughs) Thank you. That means nothing other than you're smart. Mm -hmm. 
you're you know your you know your stuff and you're respected and and that's all there's to it. I mean I I can. I mean I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this Gigi." You know what I mean? I mean because it you just don't think through that. Well, and I think that's one of the things I loved so much um about the CIAs. I never thought twice about who I was, right? Like I love I don't look like it right now, but I love fashion. I love um you know, high-end shoes. And, and yes. It's just something I love. Like mm-hmm. I view it as an art. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I go see the Dior exhibit. Like I love fashion. I always have, that's just who I am. And I don't understand why that's shameful or why that debases my intelligence or, um, my, my seriousness. Now on the flip side, you don't have to be feminine, right? We can be all kinds of people mm-hmm. and that's okay. But once sometimes I see women engaging in what I you know, sometimes we refer to as performative masculinity um, mm-hmm. to gain respect in these roles. And look, there's nothing wrong with being a masculine female. If that's truly who you are, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that we need to change just to you know, right. make other people feel more comfortable about the roles that we're in. Right, uh, right. It, it doesn't change my ability do to do a job. Exactly, exactly. Um, and talk about validity. When you were... In the CIA, there was a woman that um, the head of the division of the weapons of mass destruction, Sally, mm-hmm. that sometimes young women, even myself, my age at 57, I need a push from a mentor or someone mm-hmm. of, of, of not power, but that I respect. And she helped you so much, changed how she you felt about it. 100%. She, I will never forget. And I have to say, Sally, obviously I've changed her name, right. you know, in sure. the, um, she was very much a feminine female mm-hmm. um, as well as very effeminate, you know, very much loved her fashion and cute dresses. And like, that's who she was. And I will never forget her uh, sitting down. Um, they have a Starbucks. at CIA. Nice. And so we had coffee and she's like, Tracy, you are the type of person you, and she was referencing some other females as well. You guys are the future of the agency. Wow. And you know, that was just like, wow. And I think I told you before this, I've always felt like, um, I think it was Madeline Albright, actually, who said there's a special place in hell for women who don't yeah. help other women. And, you know, I think sometimes we're so much competing with each other. Right. And maybe we need to stop that. We do need to stop <laughs> that. And I was telling you uh, when you came on, you and I met through Martha Jackson. Yes, who's amazing. Awesome. Love her. And just women that want to help each other so badly. I mean, you coming on my show, I mean, I, and I want to support you. And that is such a beautiful thing. And I don't understand. I don't, I have a lot of, um, former colleagues who have written books as well, females. And Mm -hmm. like we band together and promote each other's books, you know, as females. And I think we're stronger together. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, I've written several excerpts on your book, sure. but I just look love things like this because this speaks to my followers and listeners, but knowledge is power. Gain knowledge. Always. Always. And I think that's how I viewed, and I, I'm sorry to back up, but you know, to that original 1997 interview that I mentioned that was sort of my tipping point of mm-hmm. getting into all of this. Uh, bin Laden declared war um, against Americans and he declared war against my my religion. Mm-hmm. And for me, I could have gotten angry, right? Because like that is hurtful. Exactly. <laughs> I say that. But instead I became curious, right? Mm-hmm. And gathered knowledge. Um, and 
I don't want to say try to understand, but even in talking with it to go back to my discussions with terrorists, I thought I knew why mm-hmm. they became terrorists. And like one of them gave me an answer that really has changed how I see terrorism and how we need to stop it. And mm-hmm. so I'm just always trying to gain as much knowledge as I can. Well, and you know, um, it's, it is so important. And I keep saying in this industry, I'm in now social media for three years. And at my age, it's very difficult. You and I were talking about just <laughs> posting on Instagram and engaging. And at my age, for certain, it's it's been, it's a learning curve. Um, I've had to hire 20 year old. Ch- Same here. It's not children, but it's, you know what I mean? Right. Because they get that. Absolutely. We didn't grow up with technology. We had a landline in our dorm. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so definitely, definitely. But, but Everyone, I, it's amazing to me how much I learn. I'm like, am I ever going to stop learning? I'm yeah. learning. No, no, but just keep learning. I didn't know that. I didn't know, you know, we were talking earlier, but it's just amazing because we, we don't, don't stop learning. We don't stop learning. And I think we also don't want to assume that we have all the answers. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. And I think that's a really important thing too. Yes. Um, I don't have all the answers. And, you know, even as a teacher now, I'm not scared to say to my students, you know, I don't know. Let right. me find out. You know what? <laughs> I had a friend in my life several years ago and he told me the same thing. I would ask him a question and he would say, I don't know the answer, Tiffy, but the next time I see you, I will have an answer mm-hmm. for you. And I went, that is so lovely. Mm-hmm. So on point. And it's, and honest. It's, it's, it's honest. I don't know, but I'll let you know tomorrow for sure. We know you were talking about when a- attacking your religion and you were over in another country with your poison team trio, you called them, yes. right? Is that correct? The poison trio. The yes. poison trio, two gentlemen and yourself. Yes. And um, you were standing before many people, I'm assuming in a male dominant yes. audience, okay, mm-hmm. to discuss poison and, and your colleague introduced you. And you felt unstoppable at that moment, very unstoppable. But when you you wrapped up that you were talking about, you knew you had three strikes against you when you walked up on that stage, mm-hmm. correct? Your first one, and I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it, but the three <laughs> you gave were you were young, you're American, and female. Now I knew that was happening, but I was waiting for you for the the words you're I'm a Jewish American. Yes, of course. And That's no. no. So I grew up and I know I discussed this with you. Um, I grew up uh, really there. I think there was only two Jewish students at my school growing up. Right. And so I grew up now I'd say, you know, Orange County is a bit more religiously diverse, Mm -hmm. if you will. But at that time, it absolutely was not. And so I grew up going to all the socials at my friends' churches, Mm -hmm. like going to. So for me and no one cared, truly no one cared that I was Jewish and it was fine. No, no one cared. And so I didn't view that as like a strike against me necessarily because it's just not how I Mm -hmm. it wasn't my like lived experience. I lived in a sorority house where I was the only Jew. Mm -hmm. Truly no one cared. Right. Like no one. I just grew up always the minority religion and everyone was very accepting and very much integrating me into the fabric Mm -hmm. of who they were. And so I just, I didn't view that as a strike against me. And maybe that's good because I will say the one thing that was, I noticed that was different. I didn't really talk about this in my book is that I did go to temple. We had a, like, it's a huge temple now, but a small temple. And um, we always had metal detectors and police officers outside. 
And I realize now, I think when you're like seven, you're like, why, why, why are we different? It? You know, mm. I go to my friends' churches and you just like walk on sure, in, right? It's fine. Right. And so we were different. <sighs> and now I see though that it was there was a lot of turmoil in the Middle East mm-hmm. um, at that time. And there were there were a lot of issues and a lot of threats. And now I understand that. Yeah. But at that time I didn't. No, <laughs> not at all. Like, what is this going on? This hey, yeah. what happened here? Yeah. I know. It's it's amazing. I was telling you I grew up in a very small town in Texas, uh, Catholic, one of the one or two families. I mean tiny town, eighteen hundred. Oh my gosh. I mean I graduated with fourteen people, but I was in the top ten. That's good. So. Congratulations. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. Bravo. But um it was no one understood the Catholic religion and the wow. It was, it was, it was a very, it was, it was an interesting, I don't know. It was, it was, it was. I guess I'm lucky to yes, have the experience yes, I yes. did because yes. we just, mine was very positive. I know. <laughs> okay. So why did you leave the CIA? Yeah. So I left, I'd like to say there's like some scandalous reason. There's not. I left for what I think is a really mature reason. I left at like the height of my career. I, was, I know. I was doing really well. I still have all my medals and awards. But um I think I saw myself in five years and I'm like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. The I pace. was so burned out. And so and that's no one's fault, right? I didn't I loved my boss. I loved my colleagues. I loved what I was doing. I wasn't leaving to escape that, but I didn't want to live overseas anymore. That much I knew. Oh, and the yeah. CIA is a foreign intelligence collection mm-hmm. entity. That's not going to change, nor should it change about, you know, what their mission is. And so I made a mature decision, I think, to say I'm not like escaping something bad. Um, I am escaping something that I know will never change because it is inherited mm-hmm. what their mission is. Right. And so I had this like great idea that I am going to continue to work this counterterrorism thing, but I want to do that here stateside for a little bit more stability. And at that time, who did that was the FBI. And so that's why I made the decision to become a special agent there. Special agent. And mm-hmm. you went through four months of training? Is yeah. that right? So at the time it was 17 weeks. It may be more or less right. now. I don't I don't know. But it was 17 weeks at the time. So FBI is different. You start training right away. So, I, you know, I haven't met you in person, but I got very defensive <laughs> when you were going through um, you, you were through the chapters and your experience at the FBI. I do know a female that is in the FBI and I had heard, mm-hmm. um, it just, they didn't seem kind to you. No. And it's funny. So I guess some backstory on that. I almost actually did not put in the book that I was an FBI agent. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? Because I didn't want to talk about it. Right. Um, but then, uh, in 2018 mm-hmm. around there, I got an email. It was a New York times article from someone I didn't know, but I opened it and it was a 17-woman gender discrimination lawsuit mm-hmm. against the FBI. And I was like, I thought it had stopped, right? Like, I thought enough time has passed, and it has not. Yeah. And I got mad, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, this is going to go in the book. And mm-hmm. um, look, I can only speak of my lived experience. Mm-hmm. Again, I know some females that are spe- former special agents, retired, um, you know, left or whatever, who really had positive experiences. And I have... Um, some male FBI agents that I know that are amazing humans. Right. So I can only speak from my lived experience, sure. but it was, it was very bad. <laughs> Do you feel like, um, I know I, I just could not believe they did not believe, not they, but a certain population in your class in training didn't 
believe you were actually in the CIA. I've reflected on that a little bit. And I chalk that up to the leader, actually, the head of Quantico at the time. Um, I really put most of that blame on him, to be totally honest with you, because the reality is, is because this goes back to kids and bullying. People are going to be mean when they're in stressful situations, right? And do things that maybe they're not proud of. And obviously Quantico is, is a stressful situation, clearly. But, you know, yeah, I guess that is unusual that I came from the CIA. But you have to remember all of my friends worked there. So I didn't view myself as like unusual, right? They came to the CIA to conduct my background check and my background investigation. So I just assumed and my the head of Quantico would have had all of that information. Mm -hmm. But instead, he chose to perpetuate that Mm -hmm. rumor. And he could have come out and said, hey, guys, knock it off. Like, I have her papers. Like, I know that this is where she came from. He made an active decision not to do that. Mm -hmm. And I I really view that as a leadership problem more Mm -hmm. than anything else. Mm -hmm. Because the... You said, I, he said, were you just a secretary? And mm-hmm. you were like, it's not just a secretary. If you're at the CIA, that's people that are working and then the valued person. It, I, it I was mean, so um, disrespectful. And um, she's like, well, I'm going to have to ask around to, to validate that. And I'm like, I have nothing to hide, like literally go for it. I, I definitely don't care. But that's not the way the CIA works. When you leave there, all you can do to really confirm someone's employment, you fax an HR number. <laughs> and HR provides a fax back of what what position you held, which was very clear. I was not. I was on the operation side because it says my position. Uh, the years you worked there, whether you had any like disciplinary action um, against you, and that's it. It doesn't give the name of your supervisor. You can't call it. It doesn't work like that. Sure. And I'm sure he had friends on the inside. Like, go for it, dude. I don't like do do you it. Do I don't, you. I really don't care. I mean, but you have my information. And I don't know if he thought I would see that as a threat and then like leave. But I, I didn't. Do you think they were trying to break you down? Yes. One hundred percent. One hundred percent and make you quit mm-hmm. because your roommate quit. Yes. Right. So you lost that that female. Mm-hmm. And I was so I wasn't shocked because by the time, by the time that I, I had read enough, <laughs> your grandfather's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was furious. I mean, and, and your grandfather is one of your most respected humans and mm-hmm. you, and that, that was just being mean. That was just being mean. That was, um, I, I remember the new roommate that I got, she was just awful. This goes back to the women not helping other women. Exactly. Um, so I returned from, um, like after everything had happened and I was out, we were doing gun gun qualification that day, I think, for something. And um, a gentleman in my class bef- uh, a couple weeks before me, he had lost his grandfather as well, but he did his gun, gun qual no problem. And I remember her saying, well, if she's gone through a loss, she shouldn't be able to do this and should be like kicked out. into the- So I had to like fight to be able to do that. I wasn't some like unstable person. I mean, the whole thing was just it was, it was, it was, and, and, but there was another, there was a gentleman there that was released to go to the funeral. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Uh, <laughs> so your, but your grandfather wasn't really fired up. He was so proud of you, the CIA, <laughs> but he was, was he, do you think he was a little worried? That you know, it's so funny. You're the first person to ask me about, so thank you. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel, I so felt he, it. Um, so I come from a very long line of uh, veterans. My uh, great grandparents fought in World War one, my grandpas both fought in World War II. They were colonels. My dad and my uncle are both Vietnam War vets. So, I mean, you know, long my family has a long line. Right. And um, you would think that my grandpa would be very much like anti-women doing this. And I Correct. 
No, not one, but he was so excited for me to go to the CIA. Um, I still, he left me his full uniform, all of his pack. I have all of it. And he uh, was not pleased about me going to the FBI, and which I thought was so strange. Mm-hmm. But in a weird way, I guess maybe he knew, like he knew. deep down. I don't know how he knew what he knew because after the military, that's not the career he was sure. in. But um, yeah. He but knew. he's a wise man. I guess. Yes, he is. It was yes, I'm so wise. Yes, I mean, just such a wise man. And I have two regrets that he never knew I left the FBI because I think he would have been happy. And mm-hmm. then he never met my husband. Oh, gosh. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, how did you meet your husband? He's not. He's he's a physician, right? He is an orthodontist. <laughs> right. So I met. Thank goodness, right? Not a special agent. No, I met him. Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I met him on J Date, which is a Jewish dating site. Oh my gosh. So I had never dated a Jew in my life. You're kidding. <laughs> no. Oh my We're not a super religious family at all. And my parents don't care. My brother's married to a Catholic. Yeah. They're, they They're celebrate brand, Christmas. You know. They do Catholic. <laughs> you know, they that's what they do. They had a Catholic wedding. You know, I mean, all of sure. it. And so I, my mom was, I wasn't, wasn't having a lot of luck in the romance department. She's like, Tracy, you should meet a Jew. And I'm like, I really don't want to. Yeah. And so I, I signed up for JT. <laughs> A Jewish dating site. Oh, my stars. And you felt. I know. Isn't that random? That is so random. (laughs) And you ended up in Dallas. I mean. Yeah, that's also random, too, because we were in California before that. I know. Both of you. Yes. Oh, my stars. He was in his residency. That's so great. (laughs) Over in Dallas. Thank goodness now. Okay. So back to these people. And and they're not the same. The names have changed, obviously. But I have words for them. But Bart, Marge, and Jay, which were running your... Your class, training your class. Yeah. What is Marge's problem? Seriously? Another that do you want me to be honest with you? What I, do. I think her problem was. What? So, and this is purely everyone audience, this is speculative on my part. Just, Just want to be honest. Yeah. Purely speculative. Yeah. Um she rolled up to Quantico. So we have like a these shepherds that like shepherd you through your training. And she was from, you know, another office originally. She rolled up in a brand new Porsche. She had four. What? Um, now, keep in mind, we're federal employees, right? So like, we don't make a whole lot, a of, lot money. of money. And she always talked about this side business that she had, but she didn't want to talk about it and wouldn't do any work on it on bureau computers. I think she was up to something illegal, if you mm. want me to be completely honest with you. <laughs> well, she did not like you. I mean, I guess the feeling was like mutual. mutual. <laughs> I don't I don't really know what else to say. Right. Um, I think, too. Can I curse? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think after everyone was so mean to me, right, within these first few weeks, like I'm the kind of person that, you know, with the bullying, I just retreat, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll just be by myself. I'll study by myself. I ate by myself. I did everything by myself. I think maybe that was perceived as bitchiness. Mm -hmm. I'm not bitchy, but Mm -hmm. you're mean to me. So why do I want to? Exactly. (laughs) And I think she didn't like that. Um, she didn't like that, you know, all the other girls like wanted to be her bestie. And I was like, you're mean to me. So yeah. why do I want why to be, be your friend? bestie? And I, I think that sometimes we associate like standoffishness as being bitchy. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've done that in my life. Where I've done that. You know, absolutely. I mean, in a, in a work in a work situation, I would eat in my my absolutely. office instead. And, you know, then I was a bitch. Right. So, yeah. I got it. I got yeah. it. You know, and when you were talking about, I knew this was coming with a pepper spray, but <laughs> I knew she was going to put it right in your eye. But you're, it doesn't I affect know. you. That like felt <gasps> weirdly good. Oh, 
that was so. So <laughs> you guys have to read the book. It it, it talks about the pepper spray yes. incidents. Can you imagine what Marge did to her? And <laughs> not nice. So you you finish. You finish. I know. My mom always asked me, why did you stay? Oh. But, you know, I think I viewed it as like, this is a temporary moment. Maybe people are acting crazy because it is crazy, mm-hmm. right? You know, who knows? And I knew I was going to be shipped out right to another office. So right. it'll be fine. It'll right. be done. Just get through this, yeah. this few months or whatever. So you finish and you you do get your first choice, was held, which was held against you. You, you wanted to go back home to L.A. Mm-hmm. You get out there and you're working in domestic. No. So I worked. Um, yeah, that was was held. Against, you don't. I picked the Los Angeles field yeah. office, which no one wanted anyways. But. I guess I got lucky in that I actually didn't wind up in that field office. I want I wound up in a smaller satellite office called a resident agency. And so typically new agents don't go to resident agencies. They go to big offices to learn first. And that really pissed people off that I got sent there. I didn't ask to be sent there. But anyways, um, and I remember the head of Quantico at the time saying, well, I got to call and make sure that this is right because I don't I don't think this is right. Oh, my gosh. Eye rolling. Big time. <laughs> And um, so I actually was not placed working counterterrorism, strangely. Mm. Um, I was placed working Chinese counterintelligence, which I actually liked it. Uh, I guess kind of the knowledge, right? Yeah. I found it interesting. And I think I always thought, well, let's do this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's try it out. Let's see what this is like. And once I'm here, I can always move around, you know, mm-hmm. to other offices, sure. squads. It's not a problem. Was was Chinese history your minor? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You just, I mean, that was just an interesting new. They needed my security clearance. Okay. To work that um, I had a higher security clearance than most special agents did because I came from the CIA, mm-hmm. which that's obviously not something I tell. Like, I don't even we don't even talk about that kind of right. stuff. Um, but they knew I had it because, again, they didn't believe I worked there. But clearly I did because you I came with the clearance. clearance. And, and I'm sure a lot of them didn't care that you didn't didn't that wasn't that didn't make them feel good about their self if you had something more than they I guess did. so. Yeah, obviously, for sure. You know, um, you have your parents had a a, a, a plaque or a, I think you said bumper sticker that said "Stop bitching and start a revolution" <laughs> on your refrigerator at home, and it's absolutely true. And I was thinking about that because that's what we all need to do. We need to start a revolution. When and, I also I have I'm sorry to cut you off. I have mm-hmm. a sticker on my laptop now that I. I like from Teddy Roosevelt and it says, um, complaining without posing a solution is whining. Exactly. <laughs> 1000%. That is, that is spot on. So I want to talk about your, your revolution. Um, you know, you said in this and I'm, and I'm quoting the book, I chose to see myself, what I've done and what I'm doing today through the most powerful lens, that of the young woman that I, that want to follow in my place. And you are teaching, high school at an all girls school, you're teaching history, which you started out wanting to do in the first place. And you're seeing these women, young women that actually want to be like you. And you tell these women and we're, I'm telling all the women right now, young girls, be who you are in your heart. I totally agree. In your heart. And, you know, sorority recruitment's about to happen. If you choose Greek life or not, Great. or go yeah. to in, uh, intramurals or whatever the case may be. You will find your true home mm-hmm. and follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Don't follow. I, I just, I am so proud of the work you're doing that that, that are that are advancing women, women and empowering women. Well, thank you. I started um, 
doing research because I didn't understand, you know, the difference in my treatment, right? At the CIA versus the FBI. And I think that got me thinking about gender narratives. And I realized that only about 24% of careers in national security as like a whole are held by women and only 17% um, uh, of special agents at the FBI are women and women were not allowed to be special agents at the FBI until 1972. Like I was born in the seventies. It's not that long ago. Mm-mm. And so I think we just don't have that far back of, you know, gender remembrance or history, uh, in these careers. And it's not to say that we need to like outnumber men in them. I don't think we need to, mm-hmm. but I think we bring different skills to the table, soft skills, like critical thinking, active listening, conflict management, empathy, which really actually help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, it, it provides a more equal seats at the table and a balanced approach Absolutely. to things. And Absolutely. so that's kind of what I've made my mission, exposing these girls to these careers. Absolutely. I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm just, that is people ask me about my podcast and I just want to help people, That's men it. and women, yes, but I men do, and women. women. you know, it's a pretty cool time to be a woman. Yeah. You know, I don't, I think I never wanted to come off and it's funny because <laughs> I had, I was worried that my book wouldn't appeal to men. And so I, we actually hired some, um, focus groups of all men, um, not authors because we needed them to be like, you know, it, so we hired all across all different job, you know, and all of them said that they liked the book mm-hmm. because my, I don't really need to bash men. I've had some amazing male allies yes. in my life. That's not what I'm looking Mm-mm. to do. Mm-mm. I'm just looking to make the gender narrative more equal. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so it, they seemed to, it resonated well with them. So I was glad. <laughs> yes. And my husband, which, um, when I told him about Tracy, he listened, he found it. He was like, okay, really? And um, he was just fascinated. And then he was driving to Austin and he listened to the book. And so I was trying, cause I'm like, I need your help with this. I really need, cause he can tell me about Al Qaeda. And all. I mean, I just like have to, okay, now wait, who was that? It's so, very confusing. Very confusing. Yes. I still Bin Laden. I mean, I, so um, he was trying to explain that to me. So he got to Austin and I said, have you started the book? Like I was just being very, you know, and he texts me. He goes, first of all, she's a badass. And look, he had notes. He had written on sticky notes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, sticky notes. This, all these things. And so we were going through that. And he's like, are you kidding me? And he walked into the studio today and told you, thank you for everything. You're you're saving our country and the world. I mean, I don't view myself. I know you don't. (laughs) I know you don't. I don't know you don't. But thank you. Yes. So I'm going to sum this up with this is your revolution. So you're a Delta Gamma girl. You joined the CIA. You hunted down terrorists. You stopped weapons of mass destruction plots before they could kill women's of mass destruction. I keep putting that in my head. I'm a California joined the FBI, helped catch foreign spies on American soil, teacher of all girls school, daring to change the world, armed with students, armed with a daughter. This is my revolution. Yes, that's it. it. (laughs) That is it, sister. It is. Well, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with you and getting to know you. You as well. You as well. I just want to go and have coffee with you. (laughs) So the book, The Unexpected Spy uh, by Tracy Walder, and we can find it. Just Google it. Anywhere. Anywhere. Amazon, Target. Barnes and Noble, yes. wherever. And, and it's on Audible. Yes. And um, 
How can we find you on social media? Do we? <laughs> um, at Tracy Walder on Twitter and um, The Unexpected Spy on Instagram. On Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm setting up The Unexpected Ty- Spy TikTok as well. So oh my gosh. follow me there. Welcome to the TikTok yes. world. I've gone viral I'm at scared. my age. Oh, several congratulations. times. Congratulations. Yes, I know. I guess that's what we say, right? And yes. I, I mean, I it's crazy. I know. Congrats. I know. It's pretty... <laughs> Congratulations, TikToker at 57. You go, girl. You go. Well, everyone, thank you so much, Tracy. And everyone, thank you for listening and following along. Come on and follow us and let us know what you'd like to hear. And everyone, keep being fabulous.